Chapter 87 of The Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Turtles Are Caged Osire, on entering the house, made a noise to attract Oliva's attention, for though he knew nothing about her later escapades, he knew enough about the ball at the opera and the morning at Monsieur Mesmer's to make him fear letting her be seen by strangers. Accordingly, Oliva heard the dogs bark, looked out, and seeing Beausire returning with two strangers, did not come to meet him as usual. Unfortunately, the servant asked if he should call Madame. The men rallied him about the lady whom he had concealed. He let them laugh, but did not offer to call her. They dined, then Beausire asked where they had met him before. "'We are,' replied they, friends of one of your associates in a little affair about the Portuguese embassy. Beausire turned pale. Ah, said he, and you came on your friend's part. Yes, dear Monsieur Beausire, to ask for ten thousand francs. Gentlemen, replied Beausire, you cannot think I have such a sum in the house very likely not monsieur we do not ask for impossibilities how much have you not more than fifty or sixty louis we will take them to begin with i will go and fetch them said beausire but they did not choose to let him leave the room without them so they caught hold of him by the coat saying oh no dear monsieur beausire do not leave us but how am i to get the money if i do not leave you we will go with you but it is in my wife's bedroom ah cried one of them you hide your wife from us are we not presentable asked the other we wish to see her you are tipsy and i will turn you out said beausire they laughed now you shall not even have the money i promised said he emboldened by what he thought their intoxication and he ran out of the room they followed and caught him he cried out and at the sound a door opened and a woman looked out with a frightened air on seeing her the men released beausire and gave a cry of exultation for they recognized her immediately who resembled the queen of france so strongly beausire who believed them for a moment disarmed by the sight of a woman, was soon cruelly undeceived. One of the men approached Oliva and said, "'I arrest you.' "'Arrest her? Why?' cried Beausire. "'Because it is Monsieur de Crosny's orders. A thunderbolt falling between the lovers would have frightened them less than this declaration.' At last Beausire said, you came to arrest me no it was a chance never mind you might have arrested me and for sixty louis you were about to leave me at liberty oh no we should have asked another sixty however for one hundred we will do so and madame oh that is quite a different affair she is worth two hundred louis said beausire they laughed again and this time beausire began to understand this terrible laugh three hundred 
four hundred a thousand see i will give you one thousand louis to leave her at liberty they did not answer is that not enough ah you know i have money and you want to make me pay well i will give you two thousand louis it will make both your fortunes for one hundred thousand crowns we would not give up this woman monsieur de rohan will give us five hundred thousand francs for her and the queen one million now we must go you doubtless have a carriage of some kind here have it prepared for madame we will take you also for form's sake but on the way you can escape and we will shut our eyes beausire replied where she goes i will go i will never leave her oh so much the better the more prisoners we bring monsieur de crosny the better he will be pleased a quarter of an hour after beausire's carriage started with the two lovers in it one may imagine the effect of this capture on monsieur de crosny the agents probably did not receive the one million francs they hoped for but there is reason to believe they were satisfied monsieur de crosny went to versailles followed by another carriage well guarded he asked to see the queen and was instantly admitted she judged from his face that he had good news for her and felt the first sensation of joy she had experienced for a month madame said monsieur de crosny have you a room here where you can see without being seen oh yes my library well madame i have a carriage below in which is some one whom i wish to introduce into the castle unseen by any one nothing more easy replied the queen ringing to give her orders all was executed as he wished then she conducted monsieur de crosny to the library where concealed from view behind a large screen she soon saw enter a form which made her utter a cry of surprise it was oliva dressed in one of her own favorite costumes a green dress with broad stripes of black moire green satin slippers with high heels and her hair dressed like her own and might have been herself reflected in the glass what says your majesty to this resemblance asked monsieur de crosny triumphantly incredible said the queen she then thought to herself ah charny why are you not here what does your majesty wish nothing sir but that the king should know and monsieur de provence see her shall he not madame thanks monsieur de crosny you hold now i think the clue to the whole plot nearly so madame and monsieur de rohan knows nothing yet ha ah, cried the woman in this woman doubtless lies all his error possibly madame but if it be his error it is the crime of some one else seek well sir the honour of france is in your hands believe me worthy of the trust at present the accused parties deny everything i shall wait for the proper time to overwhelm them with this living witness that i now hold madame de lamotte 
knows nothing of this capture she accuses monsieur de cogliostro of having excited the cardinal to say what he did and what does monsieur de cogliostro say he has promised to come to me this morning he is a dangerous man but a useful one and attacked by madame de lamotte i am in hopes he will sting back again you hope for revelations i do how so sir tell me everything which can reassure me these are my reasons madame madame de lamotte lived in the rue saint claude and monsieur de cogliostro just opposite her so i think her movements cannot have been unnoticed by him but if your majesty will excuse me it is close to the time he appointed to meet me go monsieur go and assure yourself of my gratitude when he was gone the queen burst into tears my justification begins said she i shall soon read my triumph in all faces but the one i most cared to know me innocent him i shall not see Monsieur de crosny drove back to paris where Monsieur de cogliostro waited for him he knew all for he had discovered beausire's retreat and was on the road to see him and induce him to leave france when he met the carriage containing beausire and oliva beausire saw the count and the idea crossed his mind that he might help them he therefore accepted the offer of the police agents gave them the hundred louis and made his escape in spite of the tears shed by oliva saying i go to try and save you he ran after monsieur de cogliostro's carriage which he soon overtook as the count had stopped it being useless to proceed beausire soon told his story cogliostro listened in silence then said she is lost why so then cogliostro told him all he did not already know all the intrigues in the park oh save her cried beausire and i will give her to you if you love her still my friend replied cogliostro you deceive yourself i never loved mademoiselle oliva i had but one aim that of weaning her from the life of debauchery she was leading with you but said beausire that astonishes you know that i belong to a society whose object is moral reform ask her if ever she heard from my mouth one word of gallantry or if my services were not disinterested oh monsieur but will you save her i will try but it will depend on yourself i will do anything then return with me to paris and if you follow my instructions implicitly we may succeed in saving her i only impose one condition which i will tell you when i reach home i promise beforehand but can i see her again i think so and you can tell her what i say to you in two hours they overtook the carriage containing oliva and beausire bought for fifty louis permission to embrace her 
and tell her all the count had said the agents admired this violent love and hoped for more louis but beausire was gone cogliostro drove him to paris we will now return to monsieur de crosny this gentleman knew a good deal about cogliostro his former names his pretensions to ubiquity and perpetual regeneration his secrets in alchemy and magnetism and looked upon him as a great charlatan monsieur said he to cogliostro you asked me for an audience i have returned from versailles to meet you sir i thought you would wish to question me about what is passing so i came to you question you said the magistrate affecting surprise on what monsieur replied cogliostro you are much occupied about madame de lamotte and the missing necklace have you found it <laughs> asked monsieur de crosny laughing no sir but madame de lamotte lived in the rue saint cloud i know opposite you oh if you know all about oliva i have nothing more to tell you who is oliva you do not know then sir imagine a young girl very pretty with blue eyes and an oval face a style of beauty something like her majesty for instance well sir this young girl led a bad life it gave me pain to see it for she was once in the service of an old friend of mine monsieur de tavernay but i weary you oh no pray go on well oliva led not only a bad life but an unhappy one with a fellow she called her lover who beat and robbed her beau sire said the magistrate ah you know him you are still more a magician than i am well one day when beausire had beaten the poor girl more than usual she fled to me for refuge i pitied her and gave her shelter in one of my houses in your house cried monsieur de crosny in surprise oh and why not i am a bachelor said cogliostro with an air which quite deceived monsieur de crosny that is then the reason why my agents could not find her what you were seeking this little girl had she then been guilty of any crime no sir no pray go on oh uh, i have done i lodged her at my house and that is all no sir for you just now associated her name with that of madame de lamotte only as neighbors but sir this oliva whom you say you had in your house i found in the country with beausire with beausire ah then i have wronged madame de lamotte how so sir 
why just as i thought i had hopes of reforming oliva and bringing her back to an honest life some one carried her away from me that is strange is it not and i firmly believed it to be madame de lamotte but as you found her with beausire it was not she and all her signals and correspondence with oliva meant nothing with oliva yes they met yes madame de lamotte found a way to take oliva out every night are you sure of this i saw and heard her oh sir you tell me what i would have paid for with one thousand francs a word but you are a friend of monsieur de rohan yes you ought to know how far he was connected with this affair i do not wish to know but you know the object of these nightly excursions of madame de lamotte and oliva of that also i wish to be ignorant sir i only wish to ask you one more question have you proofs of the correspondence of madame de lamotte and oliva plenty what are they notes which madame de lamotte used to throw over to oliva with a crossbow several of them did not reach their destination and were picked up either by myself or my servants in the street sir you will be ready to produce them if called upon certainly they are perfectly innocent and cannot injure any one and have you any other proofs of intimacy i know that she had a method of entering my house to see oliva i saw her myself just after oliva had disappeared and my servants saw her also but what did she come for if oliva was gone i did not know i saw her come out of a carriage at the corner of the street my idea was that she wished to attach oliva to her and keep her near her and you let her do it why not she is a great lady and received at court why should i have prevented her taking charge of oliva and taking her off my hands what did she say when she found that oliva was gone she appeared distressed you suppose that beausire carried her off i suppose so for you tell me you found them together i did not suspect him before for he did not know where she was she must have let him know herself i think not as she had fled from him i think madame de lamotte must have sent him a key ah what day was it the evening of saint louis monsieur you have rendered a great service to me and to the state i am happy to hear it you shall be thanked as you deserve i may count on the production of the proofs you mention 
I am ready, sir, to assist justice at all times. As Cogliostro left, he muttered, Ah, Countess, you tried to accuse me. Take care of yourself. Meanwhile, Monsieur de Bretoy was sent by the king to examine Madame de Lamotte. She declared that she had proofs of her innocence which she would produce at the proper time. She also declared that she would only speak the truth in the presence of the cardinal. She was told that the cardinal laid all the blame upon her. "'Tell him, then,' she said, "'that I advise him not to persist in such a foolish system of defence." "'Whom, then, do you accuse?' asked Monsieur de Bretoy. "'I accuse no one.' was her reply. A report was spread at last that the diamonds were being sold in England by Monsieur Rateau de Villette. This man was soon found and arrested and brought over and confronted with Jeanne. To her utter confusion, he acknowledged that he had forged a receipt from the jewellers and a letter from the Queen at the request of Madame de Lamotte. She denied furiously and declared that she had never seen Monsieur Rateau. M. de Crosny produced as witness a coachman who swore to having driven her on the day named to the house of M. Rateau. Also, one of the servants of M. de Cogliostro deposed to having seen this man on the box of Jean's carriage on the night that she came to his master's house. Now, Jean began to abuse the Count, and accused him of having inspired M. de Rohan with the ideas inimical to the royal dignity. Monsieur de Rohan defended him, and Jeanne at once plainly accused the cardinal of a violent love for the queen. Monsieur de Cogliostro requested to be incarcerated and allowed to prove his innocence publicly. Then the queen caused to be published all the reports made to the king about the nocturnal promenades, and requested Monsieur de Crosny to state all that he knew about it. This public avowal overturned all Jeanne's plans and she denied having assisted at any meetings between the queen and the cardinal. This declaration would have cleared the queen had it been possible to attach any credence to what this woman said. While Jeanne continued to deny that she had ever been in the park, they brought forward Oliva at last, a living witness of all the falsehoods of the countess. When Oliva was shown to the cardinal, the blow was dreadful. He saw at last how infamously he had been played upon. This man, so full of delicacy and noble passions, discovered that an adventuress had led him to insult and despise the Queen of France, a woman whom he loved and who was innocent. He would have shed all his blood at the feet of Marie Antoinette to make atonement, but he could not even acknowledge his mistake without owning that he loved her. Even his excuse would involve an offence. So he was obliged to keep silent and allow Jeanne to deny everything. Oliva confessed all without reserve. At last, Jeanne, driven from every hold, confessed that she had deceived the cardinal, but declared that it was done with the consent of the queen who watched and enjoyed the scene hidden behind the trees. To this story she kept. The queen could never disprove it and there were plenty of people willing to believe it true. End of chapter 87 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia